Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, I am so excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, man, it looks like there's some new faces in the crowd, some old faces. I mean, not that you guys look old, but, you know, some old faces, some people I haven't seen in a while. And Man, you might even be, th- be thinking like, AJ, we haven't seen you in a while, and it's true. Uh, I've been gone for a couple weeks. So uh, before we even get into tonight's uh, message, I want to uh, ask you guys uh, to do something, and then I'm going to challenge you guys with something, and then we're going to get into our message. The thing I want to ask you guys uh, to do first is I'm going to ask you guys to pay attention, so stop like flashing gang signs at your friends, and we're not playing thumb war anymore, like, you know, so stop touching each other, and just look up here. That's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do. The next thing I'm going to ask you to do is to make sure that you come back next week because next week our topic, just like tonight, next week our topic is a very important one. And in fact, it has to do with why I've been gone for the last couple of weeks and I'm excited to share with you guys a very personal story from what's been going on in my life and what God has been teaching me through that. So please, please, please come back next week. Bring a friend. I'm excited to pour out uh, from my heart the things that God has been teaching me through what honestly has been a really difficult time. So that's next week. Be back next week. Bring your friends. It's an extremely important topic, all right? Tonight is also an extremely important topic and one that our world continues to bombard us with daily. Media, movies, TV, the news. I know you guys don't watch the news. I know no one reads the news. You do. Okay, cool. All right. All right. You're lying, but okay. All right. All right. Okay, listen. But the world constantly is sending its messages to us about this topic. And unfortunately, this topic has become so divisive so separating that what most people think is that the world and the church are at war with each other. It has become an us against them mentality. And unfortunately, what we're going to look at tonight is that us as the church, as believers, are just as guilty of that. See, tonight we're going to get into a topic that may be affecting your families, may be affecting your friends, might even be affecting you. We're going to be talking tonight about the struggles and sin of gender identity, homosexuality, all that stuff, all right? In short, we're going to be talking about the topic of the LGBTQ plus conversation, okay? If you're curious what LGBTQ plus stands for, it stands for lesbian, gay, I had to get the right order. Bisexual, transgendered, queer or questioning, and others. All right? The world is constantly telling us that there are other genders, that you can identify as whatever you feel like identifying as, that you can love whoever you want, whenever you want. And the Bible tells us something very different. Now, tonight what I want to do is, I don't want to spend any time talking about whether it's right or wrong. Because we as believers have the authority that we believe in. If you say that you believe in Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross and our God, the Father that created us, and his words that we read in the Bible, this conversation is very short. 
Because the Bible tells us the Bible is our authority in life, no matter what the world throws at us. So really quickly, I just want to dive into a few verses so that we can get this out of the way, because this gets overcomplicated. Make sure you have a pen, make sure you have your outline. We're going to dig into a very difficult conversation tonight. And I'm going to challenge you guys to be respectful of the conversation that we're going to have. All right? I know you guys can do it. I'm trusting you guys. A lot of people think junior hires can't handle difficult conversations, but I know otherwise because I know that God created you to be a part of his world. So I'm going to challenge you guys to step into that tonight. You might feel like you have the giggles or maybe this is an awkward conversation so you want to make jokes or be distracting because, man, it's just so difficult to talk about. But really, this is something that affects all of us. We know people that are gay. We know people that identify as a different gender. It's a struggle for a lot of people. You might even be here in this room saying, AJ, I hear what you're saying. I see what the Bible says, but I have feelings that I don't quite understand. And you know what? That's okay. That's a conversation that we can continue to have. More than anything, what tonight is going to be is a beginning of a conversation. This entire series, Elephant in the Room, we have intended it to start a conversation, not end a conversation. So I'm not here to stand in front of you and just say, hey, I'm going to lay down the law and this is what the Bible says and if you don't believe it, you're going to hell. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. What I'm here to say is that this is the beginning of a conversation that has needed to happen for a long time. And in reality, the church, and tonight I'm going to use the phrase, the church, a lot. And I'm not going to do this with my fingers every time. So when I say the church, know that I don't mean North Point. I mean Christians for all of history, all over the world. The church has done a terrible job of entering into a conversation with people that have identity. I don't even want to say struggles. Okay? That have different feelings about their identity or about their gender or their sexuality. The church has done a horrible job a horrible, horrible job of entering into conversation with those people. And that's going to change as far as we're concerned tonight. Because I'm going to challenge you guys to get into a conversation with your leaders, with your families, with the people in your schools and in your neighborhoods that need to know who Jesus is. All right? So really quickly, what does the Bible say? Well, the first verse that I want to point out is from the book of Genesis chapter 1. You guys know what happens in that chapter. God creates the earth. And in verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. It tells us that he created man, and it, that means humans, to bear God's image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So if you believe what the Bible says... Are there many different genders? There's two. They're male and female, and God created them that way. A little bit further in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, this specifically is talking about marriage, because same-sex marriage has been a huge conversation for the last 10 years in America. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, I don't need to explain to you guys what become one flesh means. All right? You can just use your imagination. But it says, a man 
bonds with his wife. Man marries woman, okay? So according to the Bible, that conversation is done. Leviticus, here's a tough one. Leviticus 18 verse 22 pretty clearly says, do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It is a detestable sin. God says that if a man has sex with a man or a woman has sex with a woman, that's a sin. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 13 says, similarly, if a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both men have committed a detestable act. They must both be put to death for they are guilty of a capital offense. Now, one thing to know is that Leviticus is in the Old Testament. And thankfully, because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to be put to death as a consequence for our sin any longer. All right? Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. A woman must not put on men's clothing and a man must not wear women's clothing. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. This is in the New Testament. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with another. And the men, it goes on to say the men did the same. Men did shameful things with other men. Okay, now, listen. Shh. Like I said, this is a big topic. After reading those verses, how many of you, and answer honestly, can admit that those verses are kind of awkward. It's just awkward to talk about that. Right? I'll admit it. I'm standing on stage in front. How, many, how old are you guys? 12, 13, 14? Okay? I'm standing on, on a platform talking with a bunch of 13-year-olds about homosexuality. That's tough. Listen. Shh. That is difficult. Right? So I admit that this is a conversation that a lot of people just don't want to have, right? And when we have people in our lives, our friends or our family, I'm not going to ask you guys, but many of you might have like an aunt or an uncle that is gay. And it can be very awkward to like have a conversation with them about what you believe. But ultimately, the reason that I read those passages to you guys, and I know they're not on your outline, but I wanted to just go through them really quick. The reason I read those passages to you guys is because I wanted to just outline and make sure that you guys understand that anything in this topic is a sin because it separates us from God. See, God's plan for us is that, you know, we would be created by him, a man or a woman, we'd be with, you know, if you're a man, you'd be with a woman, you'd marry that woman, right? Vice versa, that's God's plan. And anything other than that is outside of God's design for your life. Now, another word for something that is outside of God's design for your life or outside of God's plan for your life is that is, is sin, Sin is anything that separates us from God because it takes us outside of his plan for our lives. Now, what I want you guys to understand, because here's where we're going to shift this conversation. We no longer need to talk about whether it's right or wrong. I don't need to stand here and, and try to prove to you guys. Because if you believe what the Bible says, we just read what it says. Here's where we're going to shift the conversation. Because for too long, the church has done a terrible job 
of entering into conversation with people that God created, but they are sinning. And the reality is, is sin is anything that separates us from God and is outside of his plan for our lives. And so we look at people that are struggling with homosexuality or their gender, and we say, you're a sinner. And that's what the church does. For far too long, the church has shouted them down, made them feel unloved, unworthy, and unwelcome. Because you're a sinner. But you know what? Every single one of us has done something that has separated us from God. Every single one of us has done something that's outside of God's plan for our lives. Every single one of us is, my brother stole a pack of Chiclets gum from the grocery store when he was like six years old. It would have cost my parents a dime, literally. And that's not like because I was so old, gum was a dime. It was like this really cheap kind of gum, all right? I'm not that old. But every single one of us has stolen candy from the grocery store or lied to our parents or cheated on a test or struggled with our sexuality or hopefully none of us have murdered, but you guys get the idea. Is there anyone in this room right now that has not sinned? No. So just like people who are struggling with their sexuality, that's a sin. Every single one of us has done something that has separated us from God's design for our life. So your first feeling, guys, is that we are all sinners. That's the most important thing tonight that you need to remember. We're all sinners. There's not one of us that is above the law. There's not one of us in this room that gets to point our finger at someone else and make them feel like they're not good enough. Because we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us doesn't measure up to God's standard for our lives. But as believers, what we know is that even though we fall short of God's standard for our lives, the work of Jesus on the cross paid for that sin. He met the standard. The only perfect person to ever live died for our sins. Right? We are all sinners. And unfortunately, for a long time, the church has really made it seem like, man, if you're struggling with your sexuality, if you're gay, that sin is somehow worse than others. I remember when I, before I worked for the church, I, I worked for this lawn care company and one of the guys that I worked with, he was an older guy, went to a different church and uh, he knew that I was pretty involved here at North Point. And at the time I was, I was volunteering in student ministries and, uh, and we were working together one day and he said, hey, AJ, let me ask you a question. I said, yeah, Jim, what's up? And he goes, um, so like if, if a gay person came to your church, what would you guys do? And my response was, first of all, I don't know how we would know that they were gay. I, didn't, I don't think they were like wearing a name badge, you know? Like that was bizarre to me that he was under the assumption that this person was gonna be walking up to the church and I could see from the parking lot, that's, that person's gay. I said, Jim, they're, they're people just like us. Here I am, this like 23-year-old guy telling off this like 60-year-old but that's, I mean, he was just a crotchety old fart, right? I said, Jim, how would we know? And he's like, well, yeah, that's a good point. And I was like, you know, because we're all, we're all humans, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, good point. 
And I said, but you know what? If they came to the church, I would hope that someone would greet them and make them feel welcomed and connect them with some people, help them find a place to get a cup of coffee, make sure they felt comfortable. Now, if then they wanted to get involved in the church and be in a leadership position, be volunteering places, you know, stuff like that, and, and we learned that they were continuing to live in a, in a continual sin, well, then we would have some conversation with them, Jim, but we're not going to turn somebody away at the door just because they're a sinner. If churches locked the doors to every sinner, churches would be empty. Right? Because we're all sinners. And for some reason, there's this attitude that, man, if you're gay or you're struggling with your gender or whatever it is, I don't even know the right words to say. Do you guys understand how hard it is for me? And I'm sure for you guys, I don't even know the right things to say because I don't want to offend someone. We've done such a poor job of opening the doors to people who need to hear about Jesus. And we make them feel as if their sin is so much worse than ours, and because of their sin or their struggles, they live outside of God's love. Yeah, you can go ahead and put it up. The next point, guys, is that no sin is worse than another. But we make them feel as if their sin is so bad, they can't come back from it. And it's like we have this attitude where we justify like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a liar, but who doesn't lie? But oh, you're struggling with your sexuality? You don't belong here. But no sin is worse than another. Are you going to be respectful tonight or do you need to step outside? Thank you. We don't have any right to make people feel like God doesn't love them. That's not a fill-in, but you guys might need to write that down. We don't have any right to make people feel like God doesn't love them. You and I are not good enough we're just not we're not in charge of who God loves and who God saves you guys a lot of you have probably heard the old you know the, the story in the Bible where it talks about you know like man why, why why try to remove the speck of dust from your brother's eye while you have a, a plank of wood in your own eye you guys have heard that before anybody heard that before right Basically what it means is don't be a hypocrite. Quit telling people what's wrong with them when you got something wrong with you. We don't have any right to point out the sins in others if we're not willing to face the sins in our own lives. Okay? But thankfully for us, for all people, this is the important part. And this is the message we need to start to have with people in our lives is that God shows us grace in our sin. God shows us grace in our sin. Grace is a gift of forgiveness that we don't deserve. Right? God shows us grace in our sin. One other thing that I was thinking about when I was when Colin and I were talking about this message and thinking through like that idea that man like no, you know one sin's not greater than the other one, you know? I quickly want to mention, really quickly, 
there are different consequences for different sins. You understand that, right? You murder someone, you go to jail for life. You lie to your mom, you get the death penalty. No, I'm kidding, okay? You lie to your mom, you get a spanking, it's over with in five minutes. You understand that? You murder someone, you go to jail. My brother stole a pack of gum. My parents took him back to the store and made him apologize. And the cashier said, it's okay. We don't need to get into how much my brother has gotten away with, but trust me, it's a lot. Okay? Just saying, started a life of crime. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Um, but we as the church act like we're better than other people. You guys know the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible? How many of you guys know the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he, all right? You guys have heard the song probably. If you've grown up in church, you've heard the story. But let me, let me, let me retell you the story and, and help you understand exactly what's going on there. See, Zacchaeus, he was a Jew. Now the Jews were basically enslaved by the Romans, all right? Rome was so big and powerful that it had just come and taken over. And the Romans said, you know what, you Jews, you have to just pay us because I said so. All right. They were like the school bully or like the older brother who's like, give me your money. Why? Because I said so. Okay. They literally came into the Jews land and said, now you have to pay us taxes on the land that we invaded. Here's what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus completely ignored his family and the people that he was a part of. He was a traitor to them. And he said, not only am I going to join up with these people that have enslaved us, that are hurting us, that are attacking us, that are owning us, right? That are stealing our money from us. Not only am I going to join up and work for them, but I'm going to be a tax collector. And when I come to collect taxes, I'm going to lie and steal more money for myself. The way that Zacchaeus behaved was awful. So then as the story goes on, you know, Jesus is coming to town and there's a crowd of people crowding around and remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man, so he couldn't see Jesus. So what did he do? He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Exactly. That's how the song goes. To see what he could see. All right. So Jesus comes and he's like, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have dinner with you. Listen, listen, this is important. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, hey, I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. And the crowd of people, they start to get upset. And they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You can't hang out with that guy. Don't you know who that is? Don't you know what he does? And Jesus' actions say, I don't care what he's done. Because I know who he really is. I know that just like you, he's someone that my heavenly father created and loves. Where the other people that the righteous people that thought they were better than everyone else, they identified Zacchaeus by his sin. Jesus identified Zacchaeus by who he really was. And we as a church for far too long have identified other people by their sin. Imagine your life if you had to walk around with your sins written on your body. That would be hell. If you had to walk around with a shirt on that said liar, cheater, lustful, 
looks at pornography. Thief. Would any of you want to live that life? Would any of you want to live with people and be a part of a group of people that made you do that? Then why do we think we get the right to say to other people, yeah, but you have to do that with your life? We don't identify ourselves or anyone else by what they do. We identify them by who. Who created them. Who loves them. That's because God meets us in our sin with grace. God shows us grace in our sin. He says, I don't care what you've done. I care what I can do for you. Are you guys listening? This is huge. I don't care what you've done. I care what I'm going to do because I love you. And I'm going to show you grace. But not only, oh, here's, check this out, Romans 5, 8. This is really important, you guys. Maybe circle this verse and memorize it. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. How many of you, uh, how many of you know that uh, God waited for you to stop sinning before Jesus would save you? Nope. It's not true. When did God send Jesus to die? While we were still sinners. Right? God said, I love you enough to solve the problem before you've even gotten in front of it. I'm going to solve your problem before you even know you have it. That's the grace that I have for you. I'm going to offer you forgiveness before you're ready to admit that you need it. That's grace. Because he loves us. But then the next thing that we need to know is that God shows us grace in our sin and truth to find healing. And truth to find healing. Small group leaders, I'm just telling you right now, we're going long again tonight. All right? God shows us grace in our sin and truth to find healing. See, God doesn't just offer us forgiveness and then say, all right, go do whatever you want. He says, I love you. I love you enough to forgive you and I love you enough to show you the right way. Right? Do you guys get that? That's kind of a big a big uh, idea. God says, I forgive you, but I also want you to be better. And unfortunately, we as the church have, have responded to people and their sexuality with either one of those things. See, responding in grace, if it's all just grace, you understand? If, if our response is only grace, we're just letting people get away with whatever they want, right? What that looks like is when someone comes out to you or they tell you that you're struggling with something and, and you're, because you're so awkward and you don't want them to feel bad, man, I can't hurt your feelings because I love this person. I love this person, so I, I don't want them to think that I hate them, so I'm just going to be like, oh man, it's okay, don't worry about it. That's what responding with only grace looks like. And sometimes there have been times in the church I've seen it where that's how the church has responded where we actually change our beliefs so that people don't feel hurt. I know people that, there are churches where there are people that are gay on staff. 
That's a hard conversation to have, but I can't, re- I can't find in the Bible where that's okay. But that's where people are so afraid to like speak the truth that they just let people get away with it. I mean, can you imagine if people were like, man, I'm really, str- I'm really struggling with like kicking my dog in the head. And your response to that was like, oh man, you know, that's okay. Like, I love you, so that's fine. That's <laughs> stupid, right? We don't do that. But listen, shh. The other side, and this is what happens more often, all right, is that the church has responded with only truth. Someone comes out to them, and then the response is, you know what? God doesn't love that. You're a sinner. You're disgusting. You're gross. Everything you do is wrong. Oh, you don't belong here. You don't. Um, no wonder people don't want to come to church and get told everything that's wrong with them. Guys, Colin and I, there's a, we've, we have like studied for this message for months now. And there's a book that we read that stood out to me more than any other. It's called Messy Grace. It's about a guy that was born an atheist. I mean, he, he was raised by atheist parents, okay, who were both gay. His parents had been married when he, got, when he was born. And then they shortly after got divorced. His mom had a female partner. His dad just lived a secret gay lifestyle. And he talks about, as he was growing up, I mean, that was their life, right? Those were their friends. Those were the people that their family spent time with. So he, like, he'd go to like pride parades and stuff, and he remembers at one pride parade, here's this little boy, I think he said he was like eight years old, and he's, he's with his parents, okay? So out, take out of your mind anything weird about that. Just imagine that it's you with your parents and people that care about you. And he said, I could feel someone was squirting me with a squirt gun. And my parents ushered me away from what was going on. And, and I said, you know, mom, what was that? And she said, someone was squirting you. They had a squirt gun full of urine. Listen, listen to me. And he said, why would someone do that and he said those people were christians son and christians hate you if you're not like them they hate you so then as he grows up he ends up in high school and he ends up making a friend in school who he finds out is a christian and that friend invites him to a bible study and he goes but part of his story is that he he spends like most the first few years going to the bible study like trying to prove the Bible study wrong. But then after years of attending the Bible study, he realizes he's kind of like intrigued by it. He wants to know more. He starts reading the Bible. He starts getting more and more into it. By this point, his relationship with his parents is on the rocks because they've explained to him, if you're one of them, you, you must hate us. And when he was in college, he accepted Jesus as his Savior. And then he became a pastor. And he's a pastor who goes around, around the country now like consulting with other churches. But one of the things that stood out the most in the book is that he speaks at conferences and does consulting and talks to people about how to have a better conversation with people that are different from you. And someone came up to him after the conference and this person was like berating him and was like, how dare you? You have no idea what it's like for a young person to come out to their parents. And he looked at them and said, yeah, actually I do. 
because my parents are gay and I had to come out to them as a Christian. And he experienced like the opposite version of what people experience. Right? And he's the guy that, like, he, the book's called Messy Grace because he's talking about how we have to be, have to have grace and truth in the way that we communicate with people. And so he's learned to never shy away from what he believes is the biblical truth, but to do that in love. We must respond to people in grace and in truth. I think that's your next fill-in. We must also show others grace and truth. That is the big challenge for you guys. And when I say that we're starting a conversation tonight, not ending one, it's because we're going to continue to have this conversation. We're going to continue to challenge each other as brothers and sisters and believers of Christ to say, how are we showing other people grace and truth? How are we saying to people, hey, what you're doing is wrong, but I love you. And I just want to, I just want to experience life with you. Now that guy that wrote the book, just leave your pens in your hands. You're fine. You might want to like make notes or something. He didn't push the issue with his parents. And I think that's a huge thing for us. We don't have to decide. It's not us versus them. Right? We don't have to say, here's the really scary thing is sometimes we feel like we have to choose God or our friend. And if we choose God, we're telling our friend that we hate them. And if we choose our friend, we're giving up on our beliefs. But his point is that we just continue to have relationship with people. See, he didn't push the issue with his parents. He just continued to remind them that, Mom, Dad, I love you guys. When you're ready, I want to have a relationship with you. He didn't preach at them. He didn't tell them. He certainly didn't just open up Leviticus and tell them all the rules and tell them what they were doing was wrong. He just continued to try and have a relationship with them. And years down the road, he was at a church in Texas. His parents eventually, coincidentally, both moved to Texas to be near him and his family to reconcile their relationship with each other. Not with, you know, not with each other because they, they didn't want to be together but with him, right? They wanted to reconcile their relationship with their son. And then, because of what the Holy Spirit does, right? When we continue to just have a relationship, girls, chill out, it's okay. People have phones. When we continue to have a relationship with people and to just let them know that we love them no matter what, that's when we, the Holy Spirit starts to use us. And the Holy Spirit started working in his parents' life. And in their 60s, they started attending his church. And at the ages of 67 and 68, they accepted Jesus as their Savior. Because he showed them grace and truth by having relationship with them. He didn't tell them what they were doing was okay, and he also didn't tell them that he hated them. Does that make sense? Okay? We are called to show other people grace and truth. Love and the truth. John 1 verse 14 is about Jesus. And it says, The Word became flesh 
and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, what this is telling us, is that Jesus was full of grace and truth. He wasn't half grace and half truth. He was all grace and all truth. Now that's impossible for us to be like 200%. But we're called to live a life after the example that Jesus set. We're called to show other people grace and truth. That means continuing to be in relationship with people, but still not compromising our beliefs. Do you guys get that? All right, I'm going to wrap up here so that you guys have some time in your small groups, but we could continue talking about this for a long time. Here's what I'm going to ask of you guys. Okay, listen up. Shh. Listen. If anything I have said tonight like offended you or concerned you or you have some really like big questions about them and you feel like you can't go sit in your group, come talk to me. All right? But remember, this is an ongoing conversation because we are going to lift each other up to be more of the people that God created us to be. Does that make sense? So also in your groups, you guys are going to respect each other. You are not going to be obnoxious and just try to tell jokes because you're afraid of an uncomfortable conversation. All right? And what we're going to do is we're going to continue to be challenged to show people in our lives, because we love them, grace and truth. I, for one, am glad that God has shown me grace when I needed it and truth so that I can get better. Do you guys agree? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, God. And God, I wish we had more time. <laughs> I wish we had uh, more time, but um, man, I thank you for speaking through me and, and just for giving me, giving me, you know, this message. And, and God, this is just such a huge conversation. And so would tonight be the start of something new in your church? Would, would people that are your children experience your love because of the way that we respond to them? Would we be challenged and reminded to know that we have no right to decide if people get to come to you or not? But that through our lives and the way that we love people well, would they experience a relationship with you and the work that only you can do? God, help us to remember that it's not our job to heal people because we can't. It's our job to love people and let you do the healing. Thank you for healing all, all of our sins. Thank you for healing the sins that we're going to commit in the future. Thank you for healing the sins that we're going to commit in our small groups, God. Be with our groups tonight. Would you uh, just give us a great conversation in the short time that we have? But God, would this ultimately start a conversation? If we have any questions, would they be shared? Would we be honoring and respectful of each other? And God, more than anything, we thank you for how much you love us. How much we don't deserve your love, but you give it to us anyway, and you correct us like a loving father would. God, be with us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen.